report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good afternoon. We've got a December thaw on the way, folks. If you like it warm for the holidays, you'll love this. Daytime highs will exceed 50 degrees both Saturday and Sunday with a return of rain to round out the weekend. Kev's got weather where you live coming up. Roll Tide. It's debate night at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, home of the Crimson Tide. And just like a Bama football game, this should feature some fireworks and fisticuffs. Four Republican presidential candidates will duke it out on stage, but Donald Trump will not be there. So, will you be watching? No, I don't watch debates. To me, that's just uh, like watching reality TV. It's frustrating watching the debates because really, I feel like I'm watching toddlers on stage fight over their toy. It is the last debate before the first in the nation nominating contest for the 2024 election. The Iowa caucuses set for Tuesday, January 15th. Tonight's debate happens from 8 to 10, and you can watch it on News Nation. Donald Trump and Joe Biden both made headlines on the campaign trail yesterday while attending a fundraiser in Boston. Biden admitted that he probably would not be seeking re-election if Trump wasn't in the race. Trump admitted in a town hall in Florida that he'd be a dictator, but just for one day, his first day of office, and he'd only be that to close the border and open America to drilling again. The FBI is warning law enforcement that terrorists could attack the homeland because of our support of Israel. I see blinking lights everywhere I turn. FBI Director Christopher Ray. I've never seen a time where all the threats, or so many of the threats, are all elevated all at exactly the same time. The threat level has gone to a whole nother level since October 7th. Ray fears terror groups like ISIS and Al-Qaeda will use the war in the Middle East to increase calls for violence in the U.S. during the holidays. Arizona Sheriff and U.S. Senate candidate Mark Lamb says an open southern border only heightens anxiety about another 9-11-like attack. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You know, these guys have been asleep at the wheel. They have allowed these people to come into this country. People from countries that don't love America. According to the U.S. Border Patrol, 659 Iranians, 538 Syrians, 12,000 Russians, and 26,000 Chinese have crossed our southern border during the past year. Once again, here's Mark Lamb. Here's what's going to infuriate the American people. All these people coming across, once they get processed, our government is going to give them a cell phone, a plane ticket to wherever they want to go in this country, and they're going to give them a visa card with five thousand dollars on it. While American families are struggling to pay bills and put presents under their Christmas tree, our government is going to give people that came into this country illegally a phone, a plane ticket, and a $5,000 gift card. It is unacceptable. 17,500 illegal immigrants attempt to cross the southern border each and every week. Legendary television show producer Norman Lear has died. He was 101. By the way, Glenn Miller played. Songs that made my hip hooray. <laughs> oh, I was my 
Lear is best known for creating such television classics as that one. All in the Family, also The Jeffersons, Maud, and One Day at a Time, Norman Lear passed away at his home in Los Angeles of natural causes. The war in Gaza rages on. The Israeli military says its troops are now in the most intense fighting of the two-month war so far, battling with Hamas deep in Gaza, on the streets, in buildings, on foot, and in tanks. But this war is turning Gaza, home to 2.3 million people who can't leave into a moonscape of destruction. Correspondent Richard Engel, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, says his soldiers will remain in Gaza long after Hamas is no more. Chris Livesay is in Jerusalem. The last time Israel occupied the Gaza Strip up until 2005, that meant it had to evict settlers. Um, this time around, Netanyahu isn't talking about sending settlers back into the Gaza Strip. So that's at least one major difference between what one might interpret as occupation. Israeli soldiers today entered the second largest city in Gaza, Khan Yunus, a city of 400,000. The BBC's Yolan Nell. It's really seen as a stronghold of Hamas, where uh, Hamas leaders may well be hiding, where there may be Israeli hostages held as well. Nearly 140 hostages are still being held by Hamas, including eight Americans. The Ivy League is under the gun for failing to protect Jewish students from growing acts of anti-Semitism. Here's what Jewish students told Congress yesterday. Faculty dismissing student concerns for their safety by telling them that if they are scared, they should just go back to Israel. Being a Jew at NYU has meant being physically assaulted in NYU's library by a fellow student while I was wearing an American Israeli flag and having my attacker still roam freely throughout the campus. Many Jewish Americans say they were not impressed with what they heard from the heads of Harvard, Penn, and MIT during testimony on Capitol Hill. Those college presidents were called to testify about the rise of anti-Semitism, but it didn't take long for them to pivot to Islamophobia. We are seeing a rise in our society and harassment, intimidation, and threats toward individuals based on their identity as Muslim, Palestinian, or Arab. We have launched an MIT-wide effort called Standing Together Against Hate. In addition to fighting anti-Semitism, it will address Islamophobia. UPenn senior Eyal Yacobi says the focus on Islamophobia shows just how tone-deaf the college leaders are. He was horrified when his college president, Liz McGill, refused to say whether the code of conduct at UPenn protects those who call for the genocide of the Jews. It was a very direct question. And President McGill said there needs to be context provided to calling for the genocide of Jews. I don't understand what context she is referring to. It's, terif it's terrifying for, for myself and other students. The genocide of Jews doesn't violate the code of conduct. Are you serious? Anti-Semitic rhetoric has risen by more than 300% since the start of the Israeli-Hamas war. A special election to replace ousted New York Congressman George Santos will happen on February 13th. Former Congressman Tom Swazi will likely be the Democrat 
Democratic nominee, Republicans could nominate a retired police detective, an Air Force veteran, or a Nassau County legislator. New York's third congressional district includes the North Shore of Long Island and parts of Queens. Younger voters could determine who our next president is, but reporter Matt Piper says they're less likely to vote than older Americans. The Harvard poll finds that 49% of Americans under 30 say they're likely to vote. That's down from 57% from the last election. But polling director John Delavope says this drop in youth enthusiasm does not seem to hurt President Biden in a two-way race with Donald Trump. Among all young people or registered voters or even the more likely voters, he has solid double-digit leads. Other polls suggest that Trump is in the lead over Biden both nationally and in key battleground states. Now to Time's Person of the Year. Yeah, it's her, Taylor Swift. Here's Time's editor-in-chief, Sam Jacobs. Picking one person who represents the 8 billion people on the planet is no easy task. And certainly in a year when the world is divided, there's a lot of darkness. We picked someone who represents joy, someone who's bringing light to the world, someone who's taken her own story and made it big enough for everyone. And I don't think there's anyone who's moved so many people so well as Taylor Swift did in 2023. The 33-year-old Swift beat out the likes of Vladimir Putin, King Charles, and Barbie for the honor. Still to come on the Noon Report, data breach at Hershey. Local congressman has canceled cancer and destructive fire in Dunkirk. Hi, I'm Kevin Williams. A little bit of a winter weather pattern in the short term, but some milder weather arrives as we head toward week's end, at least for a temporary visit. We'll have forecast details coming up in 10. All right, Kevin, see you then. Here's what's going on where you live. Flu is now officially widespread in New York. The state health department says cases of influenza have risen by 25% the past week. Hospitalizations are up 30%. Pennsylvania Congressman Glenn G.T. Thompson is battling prostate cancer. The Republican representative says his Christian faith and eternal optimism will allow him to continue to serve the people of the 15th Congressional District. Thompson was first elected in 2008. He chairs the House Agriculture Committee. The Pennsylvania House advancing a bill that allows workers to set up retirement accounts through their place of employment. State Representative Kyle Mullen. The sad fact is that roughly 2 million Pennsylvanians lack access to a retirement plan. The Keystone Saves program gives small business owners a no-cost retirement benefit for their employees. Pennsylvania State Treasurer Stacy Garrity. Employees are 15 times more likely to save if they work for somebody that offers a plan. 67% of businesses in the Commonwealth do not offer a retirement plan. John Scott is director of the Pew Charitable Trust. Business owners want to provide retirement benefits to their workers. This is not uh, casting blame on them, but many cannot. Uh, They find that it's too pricey uh, to start a retirement plan. The bill applies to businesses with five or more employees. Although employers must sign up, employees can opt out. One of the eight U.S. airmen killed when an Osprey helicopter crashed off the coast of Japan was from the Rochester area. Captain Terrell Brayman of Pittsford, just 32 years old, he was a 2009 graduate of Pittsford Menden High School. The Osprey crashed on November 29th during a training mission. 
The Onondaga County, New York Sheriff's Department is being sued for a September incident where a deputy shot and killed two teenagers in a stolen car. The suit alleges the deputy used excessive force. The sheriff says he fired in self-defense because the teenage driver was about to run him over. A destructive fire in Dunkirk, New York, has displaced 10 people, including six children. Those children were getting ready for school yesterday morning when the flames jumped from a vacant home next door to the home that they were in. We had one uh, house that was fully involved in fire and an exposure building that was occupied that was uh, heavily involved. All the occupants of the exposure had escaped. The original building was a vacant building. The vacant house was the uh, structure of origin. Dunkirk Fire Chief Michael Edwards says the fire is still under review. Three other buildings were damaged. The family of six lost everything. The New York Health Department wants a more diverse workforce in the area of health care. While blacks and Hispanics make up 30% of New York's overall population, minorities only represent 12% of physicians. State Health Commissioner Dr. James McDonald. It's so important to have diversity in medicine. These funds don't just help people fulfill the dream of becoming a doctor. They help communities fulfill their dreams as well. McDonald announcing that more than $4.5 million will go toward the diversity in medicine program to help people of color become doctors. The push for more diversity comes as New York faces a critical shortage of doctors over the next couple of decades. What we want to do here is to train more doctors so that we can be prepared to meet that shortage. And we strive to have our graduates stay here and do their residency in Western New York, and then we want them to stay here and take care of the patients in Western New York. Dr. Allison Brashier at the Jacobs School of Medicine in Buffalo. The Hershey Company in Pennsylvania has become a victim of a data breach. Personal information may have been compromised in a phishing attack. The data breach happened in early September and impacted thousands of Hershey email accounts. Names, credit cards, and routing numbers were compromised. Hershey says there's no reason to believe that data was misused, but just to be safe, it is offering two years of free credit monitoring. Out-migration continues to be a major problem in New York, and it is not the wealthy who are leaving New York. Studies show it's the middle class that's most apt to flee the Empire State for greener pastures elsewhere. Here's Nathan Gustorf, director of the Fiscal Policy Institute. That can be a very serious limitation on the state's ability to address anticipated budget deficits and to invest in new social programs that would make life uh, better and more affordable for all working and middle-income New Yorkers. More individuals left New York in both 2020 and 2021 than moved in. New York could be staring at a budget deficit of $36 billion over the next three years because of declining tax revenue. And Hornell, New York, is hosting a Christmas concert at Union Square Park this month. The public's invited to attend 6 p.m. Friday night, December 15th. That free concert will feature performances by the Hornell High School show and jazz choirs. Union Park opened last month. It is the first new park to open up in Hornell in almost 50 years. Your midday sports next on the Family Life Noon Report. 
Good afternoon. I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the Knicks are out of the NBA's in-season tournament, getting blown out by the Bucks last night, 146 to 122. Giannis Antetokounmpo led Milwaukee with 35 points, and he dished out 10 assists. Julius Randle led all scores with 41 for New York, but clearly it was not enough. Out west, LeBron James had 31 points and 11 assists to lead the Lakers past Phoenix, 106 to 103. On the ice, Ottawa scored five times in the first two periods and crushed the Rangers 6-2. Both Brady Kachuk and former Ranger Vladimir Tarasenko had two goals for the Senators. For New York, Otterme Panarin and Keandre Miller lit the lamp, but their three-game win streak is over. The Sharks edged the Islanders in overtime on a goal by William Eklund, 5-4 the final. In Buffalo, the Red Wings raced out to an early lead and the Sabres never caught up, falling 2-2. Detroit down four zip in the second. Buffalo did mount a comeback, but it was not enough. 5-3 the final. Elsewhere on the ice, a lot of close games. The Kings in overtime edge Columbus 4-3. Nashville wins a shootout with Chicago 4-3 the final. Colorado edges Anaheim 3-2. The Canucks fall to the Devils 6-5. And Minnesota top Calgary 5-2. To baseball, a rare trade took place between the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. Alex Verdugo is now in the pinstripes. He goes to New York in exchange for a package of prospects. It's only the seventh trade between the AL East rivals in the last 50 years. And in the baseball lottery for the top overall draft pick in July, the Cleveland Guardians leapfrog eight teams to win it. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy Man. Still to come on the Noon Report, Trump says he'll be a day one dictator. Biden says he wouldn't run if Trump wasn't in. And later in the broadcast, some tips to keep you from getting ripped off this holiday season. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Last month marked the one-year anniversary of the horrible mass shooting at Club Q, a gay nightclub in Colorado Springs. In June of this past year, the shooter, who killed five people and wounded 19 more, received multiple life sentences for his crimes, as well as an additional sentence for what was called bias-motivated crimes. That seemed to confirm the popular narrative that he had targeted the LGBTQ community out of hate. And that narrative was quickly and deliberately spread almost immediately after the shooting. In fact, just days after, the New York Times not so subtly suggested a connection between the murders and several conservative Christian ministries that are headquartered in Colorado Springs, including Focus on the Family. And days later, Vandal Spray painted the words, their blood is on your hands on the entrance to Focus on the Family. The Club Q shooting was a horrible act of evil. Every single one of the victims were made in the image and likeness of God and had all the inherent dignity and value that that means. Not one of the victims deserved to be reduced to their sexual identity, not by the man who committed these crimes, and not by those who would use them as pawns for pushing a false narrative. In this case, that false narrative is a fable, and it goes back at least as far as the 1998 murder of Matthew Shepard in Wyoming. Almost immediately after Shepard was brutally killed outside the town, his murder was framed by both national and international media as a clear cut-and-dried hate crime. In 2009, Congress passed the Matthew Shepard Hate Crimes Prevention Act, and last year, in her dissenting opinion in the 303 Creative case in which the Supreme Court upheld a Colorado web designer's right to free expression, Justice Sonia Sotomayor wrote that Shepard's murder was a result of, quote, a social system of discrimination which created an environment in which LGBT people were unsafe, end quote. But the real story is not cut and dry. 
In 2014, after more than a decade of researching the murder, a gay journalist named Stephen Jimenez released a book that revealed Shepard's long history of drug use. In fact, he'd been selling crystal meth at the time of his murder. He'd also engaged in prostitution and had a sexual relationship with at least one of the men who killed him. In other words, this murder was not a hate crime. It likely had nothing to do with Shepard's sexuality at all. In fact, many of the tragedies that have been made part of this narrative have similarly inconvenient details. For example, the convicted shooter in the Club Q massacre last year identified himself in court as non-binary, and we now know that he visited the nightclub multiple times. Though he did post anti-gay slurs online, he seemed quite fascinated with the Christchurch New Zealand shooter who targeted religious communities. He also came from an abusive background and exhibited significant signs of mental illness. While there's little evidence that anti-LGBTQ hatred has led to a spree of mass shootings, there's far more evidence that suggests the opposite. The shooter at Covenant School in Nashville, for example, identified as transgender and seems to have targeted that Christian school on purpose. In August 2012, an LGBTQ activist stormed the headquarters of the Family Research Council in Washington, D.C. with a gun and a Chick-fil-A bag yelling, quote, I don't like your politics before shooting a security guard. The problem here isn't just that rewriting history is wrong or that it often misplaces blame on some people while excusing others. It's that the myth hurts everyone, especially those it's intended to protect by ignoring the real problems that are ailing the LGBTQ community. For example, members of this community have disproportionately high rates of substance abuse, childhood sexual abuse, mental illness, family breakdown, violence, and what are called deaths of despair, including suicide. Suffering people need help, and conditioning them to be afraid of a non-existent threat or to view their suffering as only and always someone else's fault was just cruel. These are hard truths, indeed, but hard truths are way more loving than false narratives. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. For more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org. Outside we go next, meteorologist Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast. Our call for this afternoon into tonight is mostly cloudy. Be a few flurries and lake effect snow showers around. Temperatures not moving much this afternoon. Low tonight, 20s. Watch for slick spots. Tomorrow, a touch of light snow early. Maybe an afternoon sprinkle with high temps in the 30s to near 40. Some sunshine milder on Friday. High temperatures then in the 40s to near 50. All right, Kevin, thank you. This is the Noon Report. I'm Bob Price. Here's what's happening Wednesday, the 6th of December. Intelligence officials are worried the terrorists may attack targets inside this country in retaliation for our support of Israel. FBI Director Christopher Ray. If you just look post-October 7th, and, and I thought the threat was elevated before October 7th, but post-October 7th, you've seen a, a veritable rogues gallery of foreign terrorist let's, organizations let's. calling for attacks against us. Israeli forces entered the largest city in southern Gaza today, Khan Yunus, as they continue to hunt for Hamas commandos. Reporter Trey Ying. Israeli forces are ramping up their strikes across the Gaza Strip. They say they hit 250 targets over the past 24 hours. The Israelis are continuing to locate weapons, storage facilities, explosives, and entrances to tunnels. It is in these tunnels that nearly 140 hostages, including eight Americans, are believed to be held. Israeli Admiral Daniel Hagari. I can say with absolute certainty, every minute in Hamas captivity endangers their lives. This is an urgent call for action. 
The international community must take action. The Red Cross must have access to the hostages that are in the hands of Hamas. Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu says the Jewish state will remain in the Palestinian-controlled territory long after Hamas is no more, but he has no plans to occupy Gaza. President Biden admits he may have skipped running for re-election if Donald Trump wasn't in the race. Here's what he told a reporter at the White House yesterday. I expect so, but look, he is running and I I have to run. The 81-year-old Biden thinks Trump's candidacy poses a unique threat to the country. Most polls show Biden trailing Trump. During a town hall last night, Trump was asked if he'd be a dictator if elected again. No, 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 other than day one. We're closing the border and we're drilling, drilling, drilling. After that, I'm not a dictator. Tonight, the GOP presidential candidates not named Donald Trump will debate the issues in Alabama. The heads of several Ivy League schools refused to say yesterday whether speech that calls for the genocide of the Jews violates their university's code of conduct. The presidents of Harvard, MIT, and UPenn called to testify about increasing acts of anti-Semitism on America's college campuses. A fast food chain is facing another lawsuit related to its lemonade. We took our lemonade to the next level. Panera is facing a second wrongful death suit tied to its super caffeinated lemonade. It alleges a Florida man had the drink with dinner, then went into cardiac arrest and died while he was walking home. The lawsuit alleges Dennis Brown was a member of the chain's unlimited sip club and drank the supercharged lemonade six days in a row. The large size has 390 milligrams of caffeine, just shy of the FDA's daily maximum intake of 400. In October, the family of a 21-year-old University of Pennsylvania student with a heart condition sued over her death, blaming it on the lemonade. Correspondent Deborah Rodriguez, Time Magazine, has named its Person of the Year. Three-year-old Taylor Swift, just the fourth person to be named Time's Person of the Year, who was born in the past... 50 years. The holidays are a prime time for scammers to take advantage of you. In fact, 80% of us have experienced at least one form of fraud at Christmas time. Earlier today, I spoke with Kathy Stokes, Director of Fraud Prevention at AARP. Kathy, I want to ask you up front, what is it about the holiday season that uh, makes it prime time for scammers who are trying to rip you off this time of year? Well, you know, um, so many of us are doing the things that these scam criminals have figured out how to manipulate. Fake websites, fake online ads at a time when we're shopping more than we do at any other time of the year, making up charities and uh, trying to get you to donate because we know that this time of year we're feeling more charitable and legitimate charities are, are raising more funds to end their year out. Knowing that people are shipping items back and forth, we've seen a doubling Mm. of people who have experienced getting a text from a shipper saying there's a problem with some shipping and it turns out that it's fake. Yeah, I was just a recent victim of identity theft, would not Uh. wish that on my worst enemy. Uh, And uh, so I 
called the bank and they have a, a wonderful person at the bank whose only job is to guard against identity theft. And she told me, unfortunately, it's a 24 hour a day job. The online cyber thieves, it seems like it's two steps forward, three steps back for people trying to guard against this. They're getting so sophisticated, Kathy. And now you've got artificial intelligence thrown in the mix. I mean, it's really easy for folks to become fraud victims. What are some practical things they can do when it comes to online shopping or other things to protect themselves this holiday season? You know, Bob, well, I hope down the road we start to see technology products coming to us that are safe by design and secure by default. So we have to, we can take some of the burden off of the consumer for protecting themselves because there's like a million things you, you got to know. One of them is don't click on links anymore. If you get an email from Amazon or a text from UPS, go to Amazon.com or UPS.com. Don't trust the links. Only answer calls when you're absolutely sure who's calling. Credit cards are your best friend when it comes to shopping safely. Mm -hmm. We've got a problem with passwords in this country. Uh, they're really, really hard for us to come up with uh, unique and strong passwords for every account we have online, but we have to do that and we have to keep them safe. And use multi-factor authentication, you know, where you get that code, that additional piece of information that you need to prove that it's you to get online. Yeah, 80% of us have experienced at least one form of holiday fraud. I say to myself, if these scamsters were out there trying to do as much good as they are harm, if they were trying to find a cure for cancer, boy, we would have had one already. What is their ultimate aim here of these scamsters that we're seeing so much of nowadays? Well, the bottom line is to get as much money as they can through manipulating people. It's uh, referred to as social engineering, you know, so it's actually attacking a person and having a targeted intention. And this isn't just, you know, some guy in his grandma's basement making phone calls and lurking online. This is the product of transnational organized crime. Hmm. So they have scale. Um, the losses have at least tripled since before uh, the pandemic when all of us went online and they followed us. Um, it's a crisis situation and we just need to be doing a lot more as a society about it and importantly, Bob, talking about it with each other. Yeah. If someone just heard this morning about a, you know, the shipping, the fake shipping notifications, if they get one tomorrow, they're going to be, oh, that's fake. Yeah. You know, so if we know about it, we're not going to engage with it. Yeah, I always like say, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Just delete, yeah. delete, yeah. move on. Uh, you know, this is the time of year, too, where folks like to do a lot of year-end giving. We are a not-for-profit. I know that we wouldn't exist if it wasn't for charitable donations. But that's something else you got to be careful about. Do your homework before you give. Uh, what are some tips you would recommend, Kathy? Well, I think that, you know, you stick with the people that you've supported in the past, the causes you've supported in the past. This time of year, if you get a really high-pressure tactic and it's uh, a charity you don't know, um, just simply say you'll look at it as an opportunity for next year and disengage. At this time of year, what I do is I go and look at what I've given in the past. I kind of create a list and, you know, I see, like, where do I still want to support these or I want to add something? And then I stick with that list so that if I get sort of bombarded, I can just simply say, look, I'm sorry, um, your charity isn't on my list this year, but I'll mm. consider it for next year. All right. And again, uh, these tips are all online. 
you have a wonderful website, Kathy. If folks didn't hear all this and they want to go and find out more, where can they do that? Yeah, they can head over to aarp.org slash holiday scams to read about this and more about today's fraud situation. Some great advice there from Kathy Stokes, Director of Fraud Prevention at AARP. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. A brisk northwesterly airflow will keep lake effect flurries and snow showers alive in parts of our region today into tonight. And then a warm front will arrive, preceded by a little light snow early tomorrow and followed by milder air at week's end. Need to keep our eye on the weekend itself, though Saturday looks reasonably pleasant. The storm system promises wind and rain and possibly a range of snow scenario as we head later into Sunday and Sunday night. Our call for this afternoon, though, into tonight is mostly cloudy. Be a few flurries and lake effect snow showers around. Temperatures not moving much this afternoon, low to night 20s. Watch for slick spots. Tomorrow, a touch of light snow early. Maybe an afternoon sprinkle with high temps in the 30s to near 40. Some sunshine milder on Friday. High temperatures then in the 40s to near 50. Okay, Kevin, thank you. And finally, at noon today, it is a holiday you're sure to warm up to. As Family Life's Brian Query explains. Popping popcorn, heating leftovers, melting chocolate. Just some of the important functions of the item we celebrate today as its National Microwave Oven Day. In 1945, Percy Spencer, a self-taught American engineer, realized a candy bar in his pocket was melting while working with radar. This gave him the idea to develop a means to prepare food with microwaves safely. The first rat-arranged microwave was commercially introduced in 1947 and stood nearly six feet tall, costing $5,000. The first countertop microwave was released in 1967. By 1986, a quarter of American households owned a microwave, and by 1997, that figure had climbed to 90%. There's no doubt that microwave ovens have changed our lives. So today, celebrate this valuable kitchen appliance, because this day will be over before you know it. Brian Query, Family Life News. Uh, where would we be without the microwave oven? Thank you very much, Brian. And just like that, our time is up. That's the world we live in, Wednesday, the 6th of December. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.